honor to be here with the uh, wife that I've been married to for 41 years this month, I believe, 41, July 24th, 41 years, and to be with uh, J.O. and Radine and uh, the team and uh, all the leaders I do know and all you that I don't know, but uh, it's an honor to be here, and uh, I really respect the journey that you've been on. Uh, my heart goes out to you in a big way. Uh, anytime a church can uh, do what you've done, start from nothing with a seed and with the supernatural watering of the Holy Spirit, watch it become a tree and then watch that tree bear fruit and watch that fruit go over the wall and uh, affect your city and now other cities and other nations. And so I say uh, congratulations to you. You're a great church. You're a great group of people. And um, church it's about leadership, obviously. Someone's got to lead, and it's a team of people always. But church is people, and you're the people that have built the church. And it's your faith, it's your giving, it's your prayers, it's your worship, it's your tithe, it's your offerings, it's, it's your volunteering thousands of hours uh, here, probably a day uh, or a week or a month. Think how many people serve on a daily basis out of this house is pretty phenomenal. And uh, the amount of people that you touch is pretty phenomenal. And the amount of people that have had their lives put back together because this church exists, because this church is here, people have had healing. They've had healing to their soul, their emotions, their mind, their body, their marriage, their future, their children. How many of you would say this house has really healed my life. Let me see your hands. You say, you know what? This house, this house did something for my life. And that's what church is all about. And I just again want to say what a huge thing you have achieved. And, and uh, now the future, what's going to happen is going to be phenomenal. And I want to just play into that a little bit, preach into it this weekend. Uh, J.O. has asked me to do three different messages, so tonight, then tomorrow, twice will be a three-part series that I'll do is, and just download what's in my heart. I pastored for uh, over 40 years. I, I know what it's like to pioneer from nothing, which we did in Eugene uh, for 12 years and built a church and then started churches out of that church and sent missionaries. And I know what it's like to go back to a church that existed for uh, 41 years before I got there. And the church that actually sent me out, my mother church, Dick Iverson and Portland Bible College, which I taught at for five years, and go back and, and pastor that church for the last 25 years and then hand that church over to Mark Estes, which is a great friend of this house and of J.O. and Redine, and they're doing a phenomenal job. I mean, honestly, the church uh, didn't take any dip, no side roads, nothing. It's just uh, moving uh, totally blessed. It's... it's uh, it's growing, it, the giving is up, the attendance is, is solid and up, the campuses are, are solid, the staff, I mean, I miss it uh, because I gave 25 years to it, uh, but I've chosen not to be there in the weekends because I preach everywhere else every weekend now that people know I'm available. Really, basically, I'm in a different culture, a different atmosphere, a different church every weekend of the year. That's where it's been this last year, 55 cities and nine countries. And so that's been my life since I gave up the church. I didn't know what would happen when I gave the church over. Uh, someone said, maybe you, you'll get to slow down a little bit. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. Uh, 
But my life has been for the church, and I would never live it any other way. And uh, to pastor, to give, to help, and be involved with the body of people is the most rewarding thing you'll ever have in your entire life. When I look back, I have lifelong friends. Uh, I have, I have uh, marriage. Uh, married so many couples uh, and watched them have children. Now I've married their children. So when you went in a church for 40 years, uh, you see a lot of things happen. And the one thing that you do have a chance, I'm 67. I just turned 67 July 5th. If you have money to give me for my birthday, see me after the service. <laughs> uh, 67. I was going to turn the church over when I was 67 anyway. That was my plan. I did it when I was 65. Cancer had something to do with that. I went through uh, cancer when I was 64. And then coming out of it when I was 65, I decided to uh, turn the church over because it was better for the church, actually, to have a little stronger physical stamina in the leadership teams and the pulpit and all that we do. Uh, but as I, as I move into my years of uh, just turning 67, married 40 years, we have four children, we have grandchildren, we have life. But the thing that happens the older you get, you have the, the privilege, the privilege to look back and to weigh things. I've had a lot of time to weigh things. When I went through cancer, as Radian knows, you weigh a lot of stuff. You know, you weigh everything that's worth anything and the stuff that's not you throw out and everything is put on the scales. I mean, life is right there. This is it. Whatever I have done with my life is going to maybe come to an end right now. This is my legacy. This could be the end of me. And what does that look like? And so you weigh things as you look back. And as I look back working with churches, and what I do now is I, I coach, I consult, I travel, I teach, I do intensives, I do universities, I do all kinds of stuff. And a lot of that's in new relationships, which is great. Uh, a lot of that's in old relationships, which is in a sense greater, that I get to watch churches grow and I pour into them. But as I, as I visit churches and I talk with leaders and, and help and do what I can, uh, the thing that really sticks out of my mind is there's nothing greater in life tend to stay involved with the local church. Wow. Nothing greater in life. It, 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 there are people, and I've had my friends do this, that stayed for a few years and then they left and they went somewhere else and then somewhere else and over here and over there and their whole life is kind of a dribble. They never had an impact. They never built the orchard. All they did was sow seed a little here, a little there. They didn't watch any trees grow. They didn't see any generations come into focus. They didn't have a chance to actually shape a, uh, an impact for a city. And as I look back, and, and I would say this wholeheartedly, whatever you do, when you buy into a church, stay with it uh, and invest your life for your sake and for your children and your children's children. This church is only 11 years old. Ours is 67 years old because the same age I am. City Bible Church is the same age I am at 67, not 65. And so as we look back now, we have generations, generations of people that have served in the church and their children and their children's children now are on staff. Some of those kids that we dedicate are now preaching and, and leading teams on our staff. And so you have a chance to watch what happens. Now, because, uh, okay, my clock, my clock. Um, uh, all over the world, I found out the clocks won't stop. Uh, they keep going. They keep going. And uh, I'm a meander, so if I get into a vein, I kind of go for a while, and then, you know, I forget my message. Uh, I don't want to do that. I want to preach to you. I want to I give you a word tonight. And, and the word I have 
is uh, in this thought. I wrote this, this message series, uh, even though I have the materials, I redid it and kind of wrote it for this uh, weekend, thinking about you. I'm doing a thing called the power of we. The power of we. When I think about it, God's language is never singular, it's always plural. From the very beginning, are you aware? From the very beginning when God says, let us make man in our image, man being triune, man being spirit, soul, and body, triune, the triunity of the Godhead, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Did you know that Jesus was born in the flesh when he was incarnated, but that Jesus has always been do you understand that he's the eternal son of God and that what you have is a pre-cross manifestation of that eternal son of God in some of the pre-cross appearances that he would have had before the cross, before the incarnation. Jesus has always been, the Holy Spirit's always been, the Father's always been. There's always been a gang in heaven. There's never been one, never. The Father has never been by himself. There's always been a Son and a Holy Spirit for eternity and into eternity and through eternity there will be the same Godhead. There will be a Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Why? Because he said, let us. Everyone say us. us. The language of God is we, us, and are, or you are. The language of man is I, me, and myself. And so you have to go with the language of your culture, our culture, is uh, independent. Our culture is modernized into the autonomy of man being I, me, and my. What is my purpose? What is my reason for being here? What can I get out of this? It's, it's really about the individual more than the corporate than, than ever in our culture right now and the way we teach humanism and everything else. And so there, there's something that fights against the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is a we culture and the more you get involved in the unity of we and us and the church as a corporate whole, you will find the gifts and the callings and the anointings and the help that you need to fulfill the destiny that you have. But you can't fulfill the destiny you have without bearing your destiny for someone else's. You don't get by getting, you get by giving. And so when you bury your life, that's why it says when you find the treasure, buy the field and buy everything in the field because you're going to have to serve the field. And that's what the local church is. The field has glass in it. The field has some old tires in it. The field has some old stuff in it. You serve the field. But there's a treasure in that field. There's, there's no doubt there's people in this congregation that are imperfect and sinful saints. Can I hear an amen? amen. I'm talking about you. There's no doubt about it. There's, there's, there's broken glass, broken lives, and there's people's attitudes and habits. We're not perfect. We do things. We, we, don't, we don't appreciate each other the way we should. We don't love each other the way we should. We don't forgive each other the way we should. We don't support each other the way we should. We don't go the long haul the way we should. We don't give everything the way we should. We know that, but that's, the, that's okay. It's the broken glass in the field. The treasure in the field is the heart of every person here. You're a treasure. You're an individual. Yeah. 
Christ died for you. You're important to us. You're important to Jesus. You're important to the church. And that's why the church serves everybody, any color, any size, any background, wherever you come from, the church is for you. Why? Because the church is a we. It's an us. It's our. It's everybody together. And when you don't have money, the church gives you money. Turn to your neighbor right now and say, that might be you. That you might want to invest some in my life. Wait. Now here's my definition for the series. When I talk about the power of we, it's the secret of seeing and doing great things for God. That would be mind-boggling beyond anything imagined. I have to say this. You will never enter the mind-boggling kingdom of God arena unless you do it together. You, you won't have the greatest fruit in your life unless you share it with others. You won't be able to look back on the people you've touched unless you're connected to people. And so your connection in the church to see the mind-boggling beyond anything imagined is, is awesome. Ephesians 3.20. God can do anything, you know. Message translation, best scripture in the Bible. God can do anything, you know, far more than you could ever imagine or guess or request in your wildest dreams. Now stop for a moment. And if you're taking notes or if you have your phone or iPad or whatever you do to keep information nowadays, would you think about the term wildest dreams? The wildest Imagination. You know, imaginations weren't always evil. Imagination was the creative part that God gave us to be able to imagine better and greater things. Imagination has been evilized by all the stuff that goes into us, and we imagine wrong things, and we have fears, and we have all this stuff. But originally, the imagination was to boost your faith to see dreams that you could never reach without God's help. And so imagining is to actually throw yourself into an arena of faith. And you begin to imagine things that are impossible. They're things that you could never experience yourself without the help of Almighty God. And you have dreams. And some of those dreams could be called wild dreams. And this church sure has some dreams. And I'm not sure all the dreams you would have. But I know with, with our church, when I was pastoring, we had wild dreams. We had dreams about how much we were going to invest in campuses and nations and missionaries and, and colleges and young people and, and what we would do. And, and some of the dreams were way beyond our reach. But that's where dreams in God's hands become reachable. When they're wild in man's hand, they are closer to reality in God's hands. And so the more you can get out there, the more you're closer to the kingdom of God. Now, as a church, you're doing that. I want to give you tonight, in a, in a nutshell, my message. Just remember these three words, you would do well. We move mountains. We move mountains. What does Heart of the City Church do? We move mountains. What do you train the people to do in your church, Pastor J.O.? We train people to move mountains. We train people to take down any mountain between them and their destiny, between them and their miracle. 
between them and their fruitfulness, between them and a healed marriage, whatever it might be, we move mountains. Now, if you have your Bible, if not, it'll be on the screen. I'm going to move kind of fast now. But Matthew 17 is in the Bible. This is not me making up for a message title. This is the message title Jesus preaches from. Matter of fact, if you know your Bible, Jesus does this three times. He does it in Mark 11, Matthew 21, and I'm going to read Matthew 17. He does this three different times. Mark 11 and Matthew 21 are the other two times. And he does it over two different circumstances. And so this was a favorite teaching of Jesus. This was not just reach in and throw it out one time. He did it three different times, and he did it over two different circumstances, two different occasions. One was when the fig tree was cursed, and they didn't understand why. And then Jesus gives them a teaching on faith, and he uses this, what I'm going to read to you about the mountain and move and all that. It was during the time when he cursed that fig tree, and they didn't understand the realm that he was moving. And another time it was when they were casting out a demon, and the, and the disciples said, what are you doing? And he says, well, if you have faith, if, if you can believe, this is what will happen when you believe. So both times with the fig tree and with the demon, Jesus teaches this particular scripture. Now, in the scripture, these are words that you have to, you have to exit, you have to uh, kind of grasp this yourself. And you have to take it to whatever level you have faith to take it to. I'm reading from the message translation. Matthew 17, verse 20. Because you're not yet, and this is when he's rebuking them about the demon they couldn't cast out. Because you're not yet taking God seriously. The simple truth is that if you had a mere kernel of faith, a poppy seed, you would tell this mountain, move. And it would move. There is nothing you wouldn't be able to tackle. Now, you can take the verse, exegete it, try to use different Greek words, try to do the translate, try to read commentaries, or try to do everything you want. But when you do it, I'll tell you right now, you're going to find out there's four things in this verse that are immovable that teaches us something about moving mountains. And this is what it is, spiritual dimension truth. Jesus is teaching that there's a spiritual dimension truth in the physical realm that is moved by an invisible realm. That's what he's saying to them. There's a spiritual dimension of truth here that you need to understand if you're going to move any mountains. He also says there's a spiritual reality of the unseen. That actually what's going on here is not what you see, it's what you don't see. And what you don't see is governed by what I have a handle on. It's the invisible realm of the kingdom of God. He also takes them into the arena of the spoken expression of faith. And this is where some people have gone off a little bit and this and that. But it's in this verse, the spoken expression of faith. Jesus says, if you, if you have the faith to say, not think, say. Not meditate, not reason, because a lot of faith is missed the more you reason. The more you reason, the smaller faith gets. Faith is not reasonable. If you think faith is reasonable, you're a dodo brain. 
Faith is not reasonable. There's nothing reasonable about creation or miracles or the Red Sea or the bread and the fish and the, and the you know, walking on water. What's reasonable about walking on water? The Bible is filled with unreasonable things. You cannot figure them out, even if you're a scientist or whatever. And Jesus is saying there's a, there's a realm of speaking. And that seed that you're talking about can move. Now, I'd like you to say out loud, move. move. Now, I want you to say it like you would if you had somebody driving in front of you slow. Whoa. You know, you might say, geez, why don't you move? Or, geez, why don't you drive? Or, geez, park the car. Or, geez, who, who, where'd you get your license? Disneyland? I mean, you, you might be mumbling things. Or you might just say, move. Hey, but you know, with the road stuff going on today, you better not, you better have your windows up and your head down if you're going to say anything to the person or they just might shoot you for whatever you talk to them. So, and by the way, I, I want to shoot that gun in the video. I want to shoot that gun in the I mean, that is a man's retreat right there. There's no, there's no eating oatmeal in the morning and crossing your heart. I mean, this is a true, this is, I was moved by anything in the video, I was moved by the gun. Okay. Man, that is a serious gun. Everyone shout the word move. Now, I want you, you're allowed to do this. Now, this is with an attitude. I want you to do it with an attitude of, like if you were disgusted with something in your life or disgusted with something the devil has tried to do, disgusted with something he's done to your kids, disgusted with something he did to your business, disgusted with something that's going on around wherever. I, and, you, and if you thought you had the power, I mean, honestly, if you thought you had the power to move the unseen world, to actually move into the seen world and do something that would cause it to change, how would you say it? Move! I think so. I think I'd look at that and I'd say to that cancer, move! I wouldn't just say, would you, would you please move? You know, I'm about ready to die, so would you, would you mind moving? You know, I, I'm suffering and I probably continue to suffer, so I'm just asking you, please, please, would you move? That, no, that... That would be a sissy kind of way of doing it. What they need is that gun. What they need is that gun right there where you say, move. Move. Come on, shout, move. move. Now say it with me. From here, From here. to there. To there. That's what Jesus says. He goes, I, I want you to move the mountain from here to there. Now, obviously, He's not talking about terra firma. He's not talking about dirt. He's not talking about the literal, the natural. He's not talking about Mount Adams, Mount St. Helen. He's not talking about real mountains in your world as far as physical dirt. But he is saying, demons, this is, this is I'm correct with my hermeneutics here. <laughs> you know what hermeneutics are, right? If you don't, just say, of course I do. Come on. 
you know, geez, I'm in Coeur d'Alene. <laughs> Jesus is saying, the demon is a mountain. And I want you to move it. Jesus is saying supernatural provision on the other one, the fig tree and that, it's a mountain. And I want you to move it. Jesus is saying there's something to be defined as mountains and you're responsible to move them. Not accept them, but move them. The problem that we have is if we can't reason it, grasp it, talk ourselves into it, we leave the mountain alone instead of going after it. I would reckon there's a lot of mountains in your life and this church's life that you're going to face and aren't facing that need to be shouted at and actually need to be moved from the invisible to the visible, the visible to the invisible and moved out of your life and you conquer those mountains. In the mighty name of Jesus, amen. I believe that. Now, here's my definition of mountain as I see in Scripture. Mountains represent, if you go back, and obviously I don't have the time, don't need to, but if you do mountains from Genesis to Revelation, every mention of the word mountain, which I've done, every scripture where it's used, every time it's prophesied to or about, when the prophets actually prophesy about mountains, there's a lot in the Bible about mountains. Mountains represent the barriers, hindrances, and obstacles problems, impossible things. Mountains represent impossible things in front of you that come in various sizes and unique to every person in this room. They can be moved. And again, this is where you have to kind of move your own faith and they shall be moved. God is my mountain mover. You don't just carry a definition of a mountain. You have to talk to the mountain. You have to speak to the mountain. You have to command something to happen. You have to have the faith. A lot of pastors, when I travel around, they don't have the faith to give an altar call because they don't think anybody will respond. I command people to respond. I, I have faith that they are going to get saved. They are going to get healed. They are going to get restored. The prodigals are coming home. This is a turnaround for them. The marriages are going to be... Why? Because I'm speaking to the barriers, the invisible realm. I'm speaking to those realms, and I'm saying to those realms, move! So these people can pass through. Now speak to your mountains. Now speak to them. When you speak to your mountain, here's what some of those mountains are. I'm going to rattle them off. One, mountains are impossible looking. It's the things in your life that are impossible looking the healed relationship, the finance turnaround, the, the salvation of the, whatever the impossible looking thing is, dreams that are broken, shattered, and gone, impossible, they can't, they can't come back. I, I was, just recently, I mean like a month, two months ago, whenever it was, I was preaching at a church I'd never been to. 
the young man who's taking the church came up to me, but I already knew it before he came. It's just kind of a funny thing. I knew exactly what he was going to ask me. I don't know how, but I knew exactly what he was going to ask me before he ever asked me. So he came up after the service. He says, Pastor Frank, he says, would you take a moment and just talk with me and my wife? I said, absolutely, sure, sit down. So they sat down. And I said, you need prayer, right? And they said, yeah, she's already crying. And I said, you need prayer because you can't have children. He said, how'd you know? Because I'm a mighty man of God. That's how I don't know. I just said, <laughs> I don't know how I know, but I know. And then he starts crying. And so they're both sitting there crying. And then they go through their history with me, which is disappointing and, and a journey. So I said to them, forget your history, forget the past, forget your emotions, forget your fears, just for 30 seconds. And let me ask you this question. Do you believe that God hears your prayers? Yes, but we prayed. I said, got it. I said, forget that. Do you believe God hears my prayers? Well, yeah, yeah, you're... You're Frank DeMonzio, God hears your prayers. <laughs> now, I was using my clout a little bit because I needed to lift their faith a little bit and get them off themselves. I said, all right, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to pray for a miracle that starts right now. And I'm going to say to barrenness and everything in the womb, everything in your life, I'm going to say to it, move, make room, for a miracle. She said, well, do you believe it will happen? I said, it's already happened. I'm just here to deliver the message. Wow. You know, and this is not, I'm not just doing a preacher stretch the story out, you know, milk the cow. I'm trying <laughs> to illustrate this is exactly what happened. In a few days, Josh texts me. And he says, Pastor Frank, you can't believe what happened. <laughs> he says, my wife is pregnant. Oh. And he says, we are, we don't know what to say. We are beside ourselves. And at some point, you have to have the faith to shout to the unseen world at some point. Because I tell you what, the seen world, the real world you think is reality, is not the world that fixes anything. It's the other world. Then I'm on good ground. Jesus taught these guys, hey, You've got to see something beyond the demon, beyond the tree. There's another realm, and it, and it comes into existence when you speak to it, when you have faith in it. And even if you just have a little seed of faith, it'll move what you're up against. And if you, if you would just talk with it and, and speak at it, I'm telling you right now, that mountain will move. And of course, they learned to do this. Impossible is a lie. Impossible 
is a lie because we only believe it because we can only see it a certain way. What was impossible 100 years ago now is ho-hum, nothing. But back then, it was impossible and nobody could see it. A lot of things are impossible because we're in the wrong realm. We can't see it. Change your perspective. Move to riskology. Move to Alice in Wonderland. This is from that movie, the old one, not the Johnny Depp weird one. <laughs> Only watch the old one. Listen to this. Alice is talking to the queen. And Alice is frustrated because she can't live in the world. You know, Alice in Wonderland is actually one amazing thought on what they put together to live in a different world and for you to be introduced to it and what is real. I mean, it really has a lot of great teaching in it for whatever that's worth. Alice says to the queen, there is no use trying, said Alice. One can't believe in possible things. The queen, I dare say, you haven't had much practice, Alice. When I was your age, I always did it for half an hour a day. Why, sometimes I believed as many as six impossible things before breakfast. <laughs> it's perspective. It's either you say, oh, can't do it. Nope, can't buy that house. Nope, they won't pass me. Nope, I can't get that job. Nope, she'll never marry me. Well, that might be true. But there's, <laughs> there's someone else. But you got to practice. You got to practice. I remember the first miracles I ever saw. We had to practice. As Jesus preached, we had to practice. And we were under people that didn't have a lot of good theology. They were just people of faith. And we were trying to do what Jesus did, you know, kind of a thing. But they would tell us, Albie would tell us, and, and Father Harold, the people that taught us on miracles, they would tell us, you had to practice. What do you mean? You got to pray for more people. All Roberts, I'm a graduate of Oral Roberts University. And Oral Roberts was, at that point, a personal friend. I mean, I would go up to his office, him and Richard, and spend time there. Oral would tell you. He said, Frank, do you want miracles? Of course, Oral, I want miracles. I never called him Oral my whole life, because I always think of verbal, oral, verbal. And so I would always call him Dr. Roberts, Bishop Roberts. And I said, of course I do. He says, how many people have you prayed for miracles today? I said, well, I've lost count. Because <laughs> the fact is, it was a big fat zero. And then, then he kind of leaned in on me. He had my making of a leader book, 349 pages. Norrell says to me, uh, Frank, you, you wrote this book. Richard tells me you wrote this book, Making of a Leader. I said, yes, I, I did. <laughs> he says, uh, I read it. He, he's a prolific reader. He says, I read your book. I said, you, you read my book? Well, I said, I'm so humbled. He says, well, he says, I don't know how humble you might feel. I'm hoping I can correct you. I said, Oral, surely, yes, okay. 
He says, how is it that a man can write 349 pages on leadership, do a character study on 22 people of the Bible, and do the history of leadership from church history to the present? How is it that you don't have one page on how to move in miracles? Well, because I hadn't started school here yet. <laughs> but you know, he had me. He had me by the throat. I actually thought leadership could be done without supernatural. So he challenged me. He says, I want you to go home. I was pastoring at the time in Eugene. He says, I want you to practice miracles. Every Sunday, I want you to pray at least 10 to 12 people every service for miracles. Lay hands on them and pray for them. He says, have you been doing that? I, I can't remember. can't remember. <laughs> but the answer is no. Will you do it? I said, I will. You know, it's a funny thing. The more mountains you talk to, the more mountains move. The more people you pray for, the more people get healed. Or it will tell you, he prayed for thousands and thousands of people, maybe millions. And he will tell you, in my healing crusades, Frank, he said, I would pray for a thousand people in one night. And I would get 10, 12, 15 healings. Those would be on the news and everybody would thought, that's what happens at every crusade. A blind eye was open. I don't, I mean, wow. Wheelchair, wow. He had faith for certain things in the body that he could move in that he had a realm of faith for. But the fact is, he said, if I would go by all those not healed, I'd quit praying. But he said, you have to practice faith because the invisible realm is not easily entered. And it's the truth. Okay, Alice, before breakfast, I did six impossible things. What is your problem? Eat later breakfasts, that's the, the teaching here. Brunch. Okay, oh, my Shandairama, it says finish. Now, that's the first in my travels I've had anybody put that actually up there. I've had a lot of things happen to me, but I've never had the sound booth put up, finish. <laughs> Taking spiritual authority over my life. Finish. I was in a pulpit where they had an alarm clock. True. And I didn't know because it was embedded in the pulpit. Wow. And it, it was just a clock. I didn't know it was an alarm clock. And so I'm preaching away, and that thing goes off. And I'm thinking, and I'm preaching, what is that? Finally, the pastor says, it's a clock. I said, the clock where? He says, in the pulpit. Oh, you have an alarm clock? I am never coming back to this church again. It was, it got my funny button. I couldn't finish because I was laughing at the stupid alarm clock. Okay, thank you. They gave me four minutes more. Now that, that is a righteous team right there. 
Just remember, I'm still going to try out that gun. All right, how, how many are getting something out of this? How, 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 many feel, how many feel your faith level just going up a little bit? Like, you know, I, I, need, I need to try more. Why wouldn't I believe for more? Why wouldn't I go after it? Why wouldn't? Of course, that's exactly what I'm saying to you on this 11th anniversary. It don't stop with what you've had in the past 11 years of miracles and faith and great things. I want you to push the reset button and start over again and look for some new miracles, some new growth, some new things that's going to happen in you and your congregation. Can you shout amen? Okay. Number two. <laughs> it sounds pitiful, doesn't it? Number two. Mountains are defeat invoking. And, and this is a great point. If you've been defeated in something in the past, it's very hard to get faith for that thing in the future. Oh, so much I could say there. Number three, mountains are completely intimidating. And intimidation is the devil's way to knock you down. He intimidates you with your past history, with your present problems, with your failures, with what you're not, always what you're not. You'll always know who's talking to you. God will always tell you what you are, and the devil will always tell you what you're not. So you don't have to try to discern which voice it is. That's what is going on. Intimidation is, is the devil's way. Four, mountains cannot be moved by your own strength. Five, mountains can impede your progress. And there can be delays. There can be frustrations. There can be stuff that happens with mountains. Don't get caught up with that you can still progress and overcome that. Six, mountains are hopeless things that have never changed. Like this couple who had done everything possible, had so many people pray over them. But I've actually prayed over, I, I've lost count of how many women I prayed over that were barren that have children. Why? Because my wife and I went through this. So I have a little piece of the kingdom on that area. I know what it feels like. I can tell you right now, I pray for cancer people, and a lot of it works. Why? There's something about defeating a mountain that gives you faith for a mountain that you can help other people defeat that mountain. That's why nothing, listen to me, nothing. Everyone shout nothing. nothing. There's nothing, nothing, nothing you have gone through that will ever be wasted. God will use every scrap of it. The devil never wins. Even if he ruins your life, God uses the ruin to build someone else's. He never wastes anything. Whatever you've been through, whatever mountains, number seven, mountains are dark places of repeated defeat. But the dark places I could talk about. Seth, you want to come and get the band ready? Yeah. I know you were asking the bishop what to do. <laughs> I 
usually, you know, they start, again, I travel different churches every week, and, and sometimes it's, it's one keyboard player. Mm. They come up because my time's gone. Mm. So they start playing softly. And then they add a guitar player. <laughs> then they add the drummer. <laughs> then they add a side micer. <laughs> then the worship leader starts moving closer to the pulpit. <laughs> and then they start quietly singing the song. And they're saying, you're finished, bro. You gotta move off the platform now. I know all about this. Kumbaya, kumbaya. Number eight, last point, last point on this page. Mountains are absolutely insurmountable circumstances. Now, if I would go through the eight, every one of you have one of them, two of them, three of them. There's no doubt. Scripture you can meditate on. Second Chronicles 20. Second Chronicles 20. Read the whole chapter if you want. That's the chapter that says, for we have no power against the great multitude that is coming against us, nor do we know what to do. But our eyes are upon you, O Lord. Jesus said, Your Majesty and all your people of Judah and Jerusalem, the Lord says that you must not be discouraged or be afraid to face this large army, even though it looks like you're going to all die and everything, the city's going to be overrun. And he goes through the whole thing. And then this is where we get this famous phrase, the battle is the Lord's. It's not yours. The battle belongs to God, and the outcome belongs to God. He's the better fighter of all of us. And he knows how to fight for you. He knows how to move your mountains. Second Chronicles 20, that's the scripture I just read. Second Chronicles 20, and you read that whole chapter. There's some amazing scriptures in that chapter. Okay. <laughs>